guitar player should be mm-hmm. in, in my mind that you have this like throbbing power that you have to have un- control over yes so that it's loud when you need it loud and then you can back off and the power like like one of the things that's fascinating is if you watch some of these old uh, the who things with townsend with the high watts yeah yeah, yeah. when yeah. he starts getting quiet like and then you hear what he sounds like loud how distorted it sounds loud and then how, how clean it sounds quiet that he has to be able to hit the guitar like he's known for hitting it really hard right yes. but he has to hit it so delicate to get those clean parts and again you see that all he's using is like volume controls 
Right. And, you know, the way he's actually physically touching the guitar. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting because I watched The Who uh, at Hyde Park, the 50th anniversary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he plays a Strat throughout that mostly. And, and the other digression I guess we could have, and maybe we shouldn't, maybe we should get into a lesson, is, um, you know, guitars that don't look right on certain people. Like they, I, I know there's old pictures of him with Strats. I've seen the pictures from the 60s. But when you see Pete Townsend with a Strat, it doesn't compute somehow it just doesn't seem like what he should be playing you well I mean? yeah well I, I do um the thing is that's a sickness and here's what the sickness is is that because clapton did it and fucking jeff beck did it and townsend did it it's like the three king humbucker dudes right of the 60s it's like oh then they become more mature it's like oh i need to play single coils and the thing is, I'm not saying they don't sound great with their Stratocasters, but it's like, how come everyone has to become tasteful and get a Stratocaster? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. But he also was king of the P90s, though, too. Yeah. You know, he's very much reminiscent of the guitar that Keith is now playing. But um, he also had a lot of goofy, like what, like Schechter Telecasters or whatever in yeah, the uh, 80s. Yeah, those were hard. Yeah. It's yeah, hard. Yeah. Horrid stuff. Um, you know, I also, I watched a... a I've been watching a lot of music documentaries, but there was a T-Rex one that I stumbled on that was pretty good, where he talked about, um, I think he called it riding the sonic wave. Mm. Something you said a moment ago made me think of that. It was like, he yeah. did, you know, it, it, when he would be out on stage at that, yeah. it was all about riding the sonic wave, is the way he put it, which is harnessing the power of the electric guitar. Because it's interesting yeah, to see yeah. Mark Boland's career, you know, from Tyron Ty Tyrannosaurus Rex to... T-Rex and yeah. his transition from sitting cross-legged on the floor playing acoustic guitar to the Les Paul and the Marshall. You know, it's, again, oh, yeah. one of my favorite Les Paul Marshall guys. And, and it's he, one of the most ultimate, like one of the archetypal, yeah. when you think of what a Les Paul sounds like, right. you know, you can think of T-Rex. And a big a pretty, Chuck Berry fan. I mean, I hadn't, yeah, you know, totally. it hadn't occurred to me, it probably should have, that he would be a huge Chuck Berry fan, but a big Chuck Berry guy, too. Well, I think a lot of that comes, like, later, because when you first hear T-Rex, you don't have all this, like, okay, well, before T-Rex was the Rolling Stones, before that was Chuck... Like, right. you don't have the every the things lined up. You just hear that... Yeah. Yes, so. yeah. Well, he shifted it enough to, you know, make it his own thing, and not too bad he was dead by the age of 26 or 27, whenever the fuck he died. He's... Anyway, so we had our tone Nazi conversation, but as I realized looking down... I wasn't rolling, so oh, oh nice. So Good. maybe we'll have it again later. Let's uh, let, let's see where we left off last time because I don't even remember. As I said, we were focusing on Neil Young and what Neil Young does. So where uh, where should we go from there? You think? Well, You're the teacher. Well, well, I don't see any way that we could be sitting here with guitars, a guitar lesson, right mm. after Lemmy died, and that we don't talk about Lemmy. We need to talk about. Uh, Killed have, by death, Lemmy, we have to Killmeister. Cope. We have to deal with this. Uh, let's. Uh, should we pour some out for our homie? You can't be here. I don't have anything down here except for some. Uh, oh, it's okay because I'm driving anyway, so okay. I don't. I'm not Lemmy, man. I know I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't just assume that I could just be drunk every day. And but um, who thought he would make it to seventy? I mean, come on. Well, you see, know? that's the thing I was thinking about because this is one where. Because he was in, in poor health. That was known for a while. Yeah. Um, so it was already kind of a given that it, when it was going to be one of these days or months or whatever. But um, it's kind of like caught up with me over the couple of days just pondering this guy. Because it's like there's really, if there's no one else that ever, that I can think of, just had a style 
did that style, never stopped, and, and like never got awkward or you never heard about Lemmy coming back. You never heard about, okay, Motorhead is back. That never happened. No. I mean, Motorhead was always there. Yeah. Yeah. And like if you even say compare them to the Ramones, the Ramones even had like plenty of kind of awkward attempts at changing it up. Yeah. yeah they, just in some little way or other or making right. something that could sound like it would fit on the radio. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, so you think about Motorhead, like, um, he just had this thing. Like, he always looked the same age. Right. He never looked young. Well, And then when he's 70, he doesn't look old. <laughs> I, exactly. And I, I mean, I'm trying to think of comparisons now because I think of, like, bands that have a template and they stick to that template and you know what you're going to get, but you're not disappointed when you get it. ACDC like, is I one mean, of those. And ZZ yeah. Top is yeah. the other one I'm thinking of. Yeah. I mean, you can, I mean, ZZ Top, obviously they did introduce synthesizers at some point and they did change it up a bit, but you pretty much know what you're going to get from a band like ZZ Top. And yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not one that, I'm not, I, I, you know, I, I know that innovation is a great thing. We were talking mm. about the Jam documentary a moment ago. Yeah. And you could see the tears in Bruce Foxton's eyes and Rick Buckler's he was, eyes. Bruce Foxton they, was very sad. Was very, very <laughs> sad. <laughs> Because, you know, basically Paul Willow was saying, I did it for 10 years and I want to be something else, so fuck off, you know? But, I mean, he could have been one of those guys is like, just let's just keep mining this thing as long as we could possibly mine it. Yeah. And I, 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 don't, I don't really, it doesn't matter to me. One way or the other, it doesn't matter. I don't really care. You could either be that purist of, you know, keep doing what you were doing, it worked. Yeah. Or you could tell Bruce and Rick to go do something else with their lives. And yeah. I mean, how sad was it, by the way, at the end when Bruce Foxen's in a jam cover band? I mean, that that broke my fucking heart. Because I saw him with the UK subs. You know, he was playing bass with the UK oh, subs for a while. And it was a thrill to kind of see Bruce Foxton do something else with his life. But then yeah. at the end of this jam... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, no that was in, weird, man. That was because it, And at first yeah, I thought it was a jam reunion. I, exactly, right? exactly. Right, I'm squinting and exactly. I'm like, that kind of looks like Paul Weller and it turns out to be a Paul wannabe Weller is what it was. Oh, it was that bizarre. That was fucked up. Utterly bizarre. That was very fucked up. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. Lemmy, I never did get to see Motorhead live. No. It will, it will remain one of the disappointments, I'm sure, of my life, but I remember many late nights hanging out with uh, Mike Nicolosi listening to Motorhead records over and over and over again and getting really drunk and you know they were definitely one of those bands that we took a lot of inspiration from you know there's no other way to put it well I, w I was thinking about because the way that I think about how I first knew of Motorhead or like the way I early my earliest memories of Motorhead is I got into hardcore yes and it's kind of your like, first mistake yeah you're right but um, the funny thing was I remember that the coolest, most hardcore thing you could do was wearing a Motorhead shirt. Because yeah. it kind of like the message was, I am so hardcore. I don't have to wear a shirt that says I'm into the hardcore. Right. I, I like Motorhead. And it's kind of like Motorhead, like, I mean, hardcore looking back for something, you know, I got into to be an individual and rebel. I was very fundamentalist as much as any next guy, you know, about like, you know, what you're listening to punk rock, you know, and hardcore, both right. kinds of music. Um, but the Motorhead was always this, um, that was the cool shirt. It was like what the CBGB's shirt became for civilians later. Like in the hardcore scene, like the Motorhead shirt was like a I'm, I'm cool shirt, especially well, among uh, musicians. I, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of places this conversation can go, and it's my podcast, so what the fuck, let's go there. I yeah. mean, to me, excellent band name. One yeah. Of the, one of the great band names of all time, right? Takes mm -hmm. two of your favorite things, motors and head, and yeah. puts them together. 
Um, of course, that's not how he, you know, Lemmy said he came up with the name. He said it was a slang for bikers who did speed. So yep. that's cool. But also the, the, the logo was fantastic. They had a killer logo. Talk you know? about and, branding. Right. Like They, and, they definitely were one of those bands that branded themselves. Plus, they were a trio. Yeah. They? I mean, they were. Oh, yes, yes. You know, well, well, that's a thing right there because, like, a thing that I think is. Um, we never think of Motorhead as a trio, but they were a trio. Oh. I, I think of them as trio. Well, I'm just... <laughs> but they they were not always a trio, too. Right. I mean, they ended as a trio, but they had two guitars during a lot of the middle period. But one of the things about Motorhead is that... Um, like during the middle years. Yeah, yeah. Well, the 80s, 90s, right? right? Late, late 80s. Um, is, you know, one of the reasons punk rockers liked it is because it was as punk as anything. Yeah. But, re- like it, but it was also metal. Yeah, but really, what it was was rock and roll, and uh, Lemmy had described it as a blues band. Yes, so with it, lots of attitude, though. I mean, oh yeah, it's all about attitude. Well, that they? tells you a lot about yeah. that. Tells you about like what I, what I like about it is, um, like, if you look at the musical ingredients, everything is straight blues pentatonic shit. Right, and. It, it's sort of like, it's like the same thing with the Rolling Stones when they're behaving. Yes. Like not trying to take outside, like, you know, Rolling Stones made so many, like that, what they call the middle period of the Rolling Stones, like Beggar's Banquet to Exile. That kind of basic thing where every rock thing was going to be in this kind of, you know, blues pocket. Yes. You know, certain chords, you weren't going to hear like like a lot of fruity minor chords and, uh, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Like you weren't going to hear any, any, no trick chords, no surprise chords. Right. Like, no, like everything just sounds like very obvious yet awesomely powerful. Right. And you, know, you could say the same thing about ACDC has that same kind of quality. Yes. Um, but Motorhead, like what sounds more uniquely of itself than Motorhead? Is I nothing? No, no like. you definitely knew a Motorhead song in the first couple of bars. Yeah, you know, if you put, were doing a blind taste test, you could tell it was Motorhead right away. Yeah, but, yeah. but I, I, I always thought that they, they really had a lot of style. They had a lot of attitude. I, I mean, I couldn't name probably more than a handful of Motorhead songs. I'm not a Motorhead like head. Head, yes. but uh, yeah, it was a sad thing that we didn't. Uh, animal, filthy animal, filthy animal Taylor just died. Also yeah, die, so. yeah. People are making jokes about Fast Eddie Clark mm. going to see the doctor on the Facebook. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know, just saying. If I was Fast Eddie, I'd be worried. Yeah. Um, but then I remember a few weeks ago, or at least a couple months ago, is Lemmy going to be the last one standing? And that would be that would be ironic. Yeah. Um, but now it seems kind of like he had the perfect life, like <laughs> seventy on the on the nose. Yes. So, the the lifespan uh, in America is something like seventy four for a dude yeah. for a dude and I think it's like the high it might be the high end I think is Minnesota life expectancy in, in Minnesota is seventy six and life expectancy in Mississippi is only seventy one that's the lowest life expectancy so Lemmy really was close definitely close enough yeah <laughs> to like reaching life expectancy. So it's kind I don't of think like, he thought he was going to make it to 70. Something tells me. I mean, I don't well, doubt it. Here's another thing I was thinking about about him. For a guy uh-huh. that was known to be the lifelong partier, no, no, no stories, no drama, like no, no jail, no like um, car accidents, beating women. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe these things did happen and they were quiet, but basically none of this fucking like sad sack, like, like, you know, like, you know, I, I like to abuse my idols, but what I've been doing in my mind a lot is really comparing Keith Richards unfavorably against Lemmy quite a bit. Oh, really? Yes. Just because, like, you know, like, Lemmy just, like, quietly just kept his thing going. Like, 
you know, like whatever role, whatever that con con combination of hard alcohol and hard drugs and cigarettes. Right. He kept, he, he maintained and, right. and he was always true to himself. And if you think about like Lemmy and Keith Richards, they're equal archetypal images. But with Keith, like, it just seems like so much more of a pose. Mm. And then the older he gets, the more it gets like awkward. He, he doesn't look like... I mean, Lemmy, obviously, he couldn't have been... Like, he's dead, so Lemmy, Lemmy's no... He's I know. Healthy. The weirdest thing, but, though, is that uh, thing on his face is still alive. That's the weirdest <laughs> part of Lemmy's death, is somehow that thing on his face outlived him. Wouldn't that be great? That, I, that's... Someone... I saw, I saw someone remark on that on, on Facebook today. Yes, that would be, that would be the shit. But uh, the, one more memory I had is that... Did you used to watch the show uh, uh, Night Flight New Wave Theater you probably watched? Uh, yeah, I do remember that. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I guess it was whatever, whenever Bad Religion's first album came out, which I think was like 82, um, they appeared on Night Flight. And if I remember correctly, and I'm damn... Pretty goddamn sure I totally remember correctly. Every fucking guy in Bad Religion was wearing a Motorhead shirt in their night flight appearance in 1982. I will have to maybe YouTube that later to check. Uh, yeah, maybe see. if we have time. Uh, did you see what I picked up for the holidays, by the way? The Queen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you seen this yet? I, uh, I, I think I saw... I would gladly lend a, it to you, but we're going to bring, bring it over to some friend's house yeah, uh, for no, it was, New it, Year's Eve. Otis Ball, I think, copied me that from... Like if that, I think that was on TV at some point in the seventies. Like yeah, I, so I have some BBC. kind of crappy. I think BBC. Did yeah, that. yeah, I have. So I have a copy of it on a weird, you know, copy disc. But um, Queen was my um, that was my third rock concert. Was Queen on the Game Tour? Um, and uh, I saw them on the uh, Bicycle Race Tour. Yeah, and, yeah. Know, during uh, mm -hmm. Fat Bottom Girls, they brought out uh, a bunch of. Fat bottom girls on bicycles. Where did you see us? NASA Coliseum. Yeah, got really drunk and fell off of a folding chair. Because I stood on a folding chair to see the topless ladies. <laughs> you know, I think it's funny. Like looking back, like as I saw him at the garden, and I saw him what we would call it has to be called the first mustache tour. Yeah. And I believe in America there may only have been one mustache tour, two max. But I think they only maybe did. They might have came back out for Hot Space, but I don't know if they toured Hot Space here or not. But the thing is, he comes out, like, he's got the, the mustache, he had the, the leather hat, he's got, like, no shirt, red leather pants with blue knee pads. Mm -hmm. To me, this is just like, you know, I was as oblivious as any Judas Priest fan, let's right. say. You know? Yes. Um, and um, Who knew? Who knew tremendous... he was gay? Nobody knew. And that's what happened, though. Know, that, that's that, hilarious. That they, that's why they lost America, because the, the rest of the world kept liking Queen, but America was not... Is that why? Is that, that your secret theory? Or that's not that... even a theory that Brian May says that. Like, Brian May says that. Here's another thing about Queen, is that if you listen to the album Hot Space, Michael oh. Jackson appears on the album Hot Space. Hot Space, and this is also another failed thing that was supposed to kill Queen in America. Hot Space was Freddie Mercury's vision that you can combine dance music with rock guitars. And Hot Space fucking sounds like Thriller. It came out before Thriller, and Michael Jackson appears on it. What is he doing on it? What he, is he's, he's a guest. Guest sings on a song. Oh, guests on a song. I had no he idea. He wasn't as famous yet. 
Because Thriller wasn't out yet, so it was I big. Checked, but... I, I hate to say this. You're going to hate me. I checked uh. out after News of the World. I, I checked no, out. No, 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 not at all. Um, by the way, we only have about another half an hour, I think, because 36 minutes, maybe. Okay. Because then I have physical therapy for my foot. So. Okay, well, I better um, get, get yeah, something going. Yeah, let's get to something. What do you, you want to get to? What can we do? Let's focus on one thing. Well, and... Okay, all right. Here, here's, uh, since we're talking about Queen, here is a hard, cool thing, which is the right way to play Tie Your Mother Down. Okay, yeah, let's have it. Um, have at it. Now, this I actually got, this is the kind of thing, I don't know if I would have noticed it by ear, but Brian may actually describe this in a magazine I read. So this is from the horse's mouth. Okay. It's, oh, I need this, of course. Now, what he does there, because when people play that, here's the shitty way to play that. The shitty way to play that is if you're playing it like you're just playing an A chord and you go. Now, you notice that the shitty way sounds pretty convincing. Yes. So the difference is, like he's playing, you have your open A chord. Now, what you want here is that you have the A string the D string and then the G string, just those three strings. Yeah. Now what he does is, is you have the open A. So what he does is he picks, every note is picked, he picks one note at a time, but they're allowed to ring out. So you, so the first two notes is just the open A string followed by the D string. So, so I'm going open A string. Yeah, now what you want to do here Come down on the A and up on the D like that. Yeah. And then. And then you pick up on the G string. Yes. So that, and that's a sequence. So it's like four things. So it's. Yeah. So it's open A. Yep. Let's break this down. Open yep. A. Then up on the D string. Up on the D string. Then pull off in the A string. And then up on the G string. Yeah. You just have to make sure you get a nice pull off this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure, yeah, just make sure you get that pull off there. See, you're not, the only thing is you're not getting the, um, you're not, yeah, yeah, you got to make sure you get that A back open so it's. my god i gotta break that down it's hard so, it's yeah, hard it is. it's not that easy i wish i was more coordinated well that's that's the thing you can get into like if we, we're going to talk about practicing like here's the thing you could talk about practicing like if yes. you look at what you're trying to do here um basically uh, this is a, a quote that i like is some classical you know some classical musician said this he goes like there, there's no difficult it's like easy or impossible 
So that means, like, say if you're playing Tie Your Mother Down and you're trying to play it. Okay. If it's not happening, flowing easily. Yes. Then you're not really playing it. That's the, that's the theory. So the thing is, what you think about is that it takes a good tight coordination. But if you look at everything you do, because you're just going between the... I mean, the, like, let's take this for, like, a first step. Like, what I would do, mm-hmm. since this is a lesson, I'll do what I would do in a lesson. Right. Which is, the first thing I would say is, we'll, we'll take out this, um, the pull-off, because that yeah. adds a layer of complexity. So the first thing you want to get, let's even just start with, if you just take the A and the D string, you come down on the A string, up on the D string, so just get... Yeah. Now, what we want is, let's get the rhythm. So now, another thing, too, is uh, if I say the shuffle rhythm, do you understand what is meant by a shuffle rhythm? Uh, no, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, uh, we have straight eighth notes. This is very simple. Straight yeah. eighth notes is, you know, even. And then shuffle eighths is... So one of the things that makes Tie Your Mother Down cool is that he uses the shuffle rhythm, but it's so articulate that it doesn't sound like, not that there would be anything wrong with sounding like ZZ Top, mm-hmm. but it's kind of why it sounds like Queen and it doesn't sound like some kind of ZZ Top Americana, you know, cowboy shit. Mm-hmm. Like, it still sounds very British and very, you know, like, you know, very organized, that Queen clarity. But, um, so basically what you have with a shuffle, with a shuffle is like long, short, long, short, long, short, long, short. So the down is longer. That boom, that boom, that boom. Yeah. Now once you have that, now start switching between A, D, A, G, A, D. Yeah, now what I would do is try to let the notes ring out more, like, because it seems like, yeah. And then you want to try to get that swing at the dong, ga, dong, ga, dong, ga, dong, ga, dong. Right. Now, now that now you got you got the groove. Yeah. So now now the thing that you have to add to that is the pull off. So the trick with the pull off, this is one of these like um, like technical things. Is that what you want to keep in mind is that your right hand, your your right hand's already got it. Yeah. So your left hand, you just want to get the left hand to do that pull off without fucking up the right hand. Yeah. Now, Let's thing, slow it down because I think if sure. I slow it down, no, that's the way to, so to learn it. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's try this for a second. Take just this by itself. The um, if you just isolate the yeah. Now those three should be like it's like one and one two three one and one two three that 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 so that's like it ends up being there's a there's a pull off in it that makes it sound triplet, but your hand is still playing shuffle eights, which I've said enough that that almost sound, makes it sound bitch. more complicated than it is. But the idea is that these three notes one two three one two three one two three one they're even.
Yeah, now make sure to grab the uh, G-string after that. Yeah. Am I getting the sequence right anywhere? Uh, well, the um, you got A, D, pull off. Yeah, that's it. Oh my God, that's much harder than it looks. Well, the main thing I feel is, like a, I feel like a dumbass. Well, that's that's. Uh, Was that your intention? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. One of the uh, guitar lesson things is like if someone says like they're very confused by something, I was like, yeah, well, if you weren't confused man. by this, I would show you something else that would confuse you oh, because Jesus. otherwise there's no. All but, right, play it again. Sure. I got. Yeah, and that's even still the real speed. I think is closer to like. Um, So I'll show you. I'll show you that the second part, because um, the second part. This is all, also like. Um, this is some of the most cliche rock shit that anyone that ever heard a Pete Townsend or Led Zeppelin record would ever think of. Right. But it, again, it has a perfect Queenness, and what he does is, I mean, this is, you, um, you got the G, but yeah, what he's doing is you have your third finger should be on the uh, B string. There you go. Yeah. So when you're playing this G, yeah. Now, since we're not playing the Neil Young, we're gonna leave out the A string because we don't want that. We don't want that note because that note unrocks it. Yeah, that's the note we don't want. So what you do is, if you just lift your first finger, your second finger will muffle the A string, so you get this the, the G of rock. You hear that again? Yeah, yeah. And then so from there, G, D. But he doesn't bother to, you don't have to bother to put your, you just go to a D without bothering with the middle finger. Yeah, now you want to let that first finger go. You go from there. Just make sure you let that second finger go when you go to the from G to D. Which one's the second finger, this one? Middle finger, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, so. Why am I? Yep. So you're doing that? Yep. And then what he does after that is. So what you keep in mind is what I'm doing is like the, the finger, like that middle finger, right? Mm -hmm. The next string is always muffled. Okay. So one of the things about Brian May that he talks about a lot is like, um, have we talked about, we must have hit on the difference between what a power chord means exactly a power chord. Yeah. Like a power chord means that you leave out the note that makes it major or minor. So say if you're playing a G chord, you have the root and the fifth. Now this note, this is the note that makes it a G major. If we leave that note out and we just have these two notes, these three notes here, so I'm playing the, yeah, and I'm leaving out the A string. Yeah, now what that's like, that's like if I was playing this. Just those three notes. Right. Yeah, like a power, that's a power chord. Now, if you play it down here, you get those three notes. Then you get another D here for the ring. And then if you even want to go full, all like say, ACDC, who, you can add the pinky there and you get... So I'm playing like... 
every string and my second finger, yes. So now you hear how your distortion likes that because it doesn't have this clogged up note that makes it sound that, it doesn't have the powder finger note. Like that's a note that you, only Neil Young can play that note with distortion. Everyone else cannot play that note with distortion or else it's wrong. So what happens after that, you go from that to the D. So again, when I'm playing the D, I really only need these three notes, which the open D string. My third finger stays in place, right. My first finger lands. We are getting these three. So this is the same idea. This top note here, this makes it major. And then this would be minor. Oh, Jesus. Well, we don't want the minor anyway, but the point right. is that we don't want that note on the top string because this note, that you happy note. You the high note, E string? Are you talking about we, the high E string? Yeah, we don't want the high E because it does not rock. Okay. It REMs. So yeah, you get these two notes. So it goes from this to this. Holy moly, so from... Yeah. Yeah, what I would do there, you use your second finger here, and then your D like that. Okay, so, yeah. I mean, in a way, just let me, uh, I'll give you a little bit of the... Um, I'm having a lot of trouble today. Maybe what, I'm just rusty. Well, you know what it is? It's sort of like, if it's a physical habit you don't have, it's just, it is what it is, because... I know. Um, this is like... Um, like I was saying, it's a, it's a rock cliche. Like it's, um, you know, Pete Townsend, Angus, you know, or ACDC, you know, the young brothers, um, and Brian May. But the idea of like, let's start with this. Like we'll call, this is what you call the G of rock. Um, it's the one we're already doing, but like, so you normally play a G with your third finger on the high E string? Yes. So here's what you want, is move your third finger to the B string and put your pinky on the high E string. Okay. Now, if your first finger's down, you're playing John Lennon. But if we let the first finger up so that the A string is muffled, now you're playing ACDC. Yeah. Now, the thing you want to learn is that one of your rock moves, very, very ACDC, is go from G to D and just keep your third finger in that place. And that should be like something you would build in as a back and forth that you could do is if you go from this to this without moving that third finger. Uh, no, regular D. Oh, well, where do I put this third finger then? It stays. That's the thing, is if you're on the G, your third finger stays in place for the D. So that's one of the things that's advantageous about it. Is my third finger on the right spot? Yeah. I mean, is it... yeah. yeah. So how is that a D? I don't get it. When you move to a D, play a D chord. Uh, I usually play a D chord like this. Look where your third finger is. Your third finger's in the same spot as it is on that G chord. Oh, son of a bitch. So... See? In other words, you're just doing that, or no? I'm just doing. I'm moving. I'm just. I'm just keeping my third finger in place when I change those two chords. Why is this so difficult for me to get? Oh, I can totally explain why that's so difficult. Is that it's the thing of um, the fingers, like the whole thing that's tricky about technique, is like nothing you're ever trying to do is hard. The hard thing is getting your fingers to do different stuff from each other. Yeah. So basically what you're learning, trying to do here, is that if you're used to grabbing a D chord, if you haven't trained your hand to get to the D chord from the G without moving to it, there's such a built-in habit of, like you saw that like when you were on the G, you couldn't fathom that your third finger was already in the place it is for a D chord. Because... Yeah, a, a D chord is that, right? So yeah, so it, you're right. It just looks odd to me, I guess. Because the D is, was always that. Yeah, it is that. 
Yeah. And that is what it is. Should have cut my nails. So the thing is, is that when you get, but so this is just the way of, that's one of your, um, that's one of the easy moves. Or in other words, like it's like, in other words, like if you, if you get efficient at that, uh, changing from G to D with that fingering, it's easier than the way you're doing it Show now. Show me again. Show me one more time. Yeah, sure. So you, your second finger is up here. Yeah. And then you got these two fingers over here. Yeah. Yeah. And you're you know making that yeah. sound. You know what's funny? This tells me that you never learned how to play any Huskadoo songs. Because that was basically, no. when, when I was first learning to play guitar, that was one of the first besides power chords. Bob Mould was the guy that played other chords than power chords or yeah. bar chords. So like Husker Du, that was the main, that's the main fucking Husker Du chord is just the distorted G, but like that with these two, because it rings, like it's basically, because when you're playing this chord, you're playing five strings. Every note is either a G or a D. So that's the thing about like with distortion and the idea of power chords is that if you have too much um, going on, too many notes, you get overtones that get this clustered sound that gets to be nasty and discordant. And that's another thing about controlling the sound of guitar. But I mean, that's, and that's basically also why power chords got invented is because, and you know, uh, Pete Townsend has actually talked about this a lot. And he is, he's at least one guy. I mean, if you're gonna say when it was invented, I think you would technically say, um, like if you listen to You Really Got Me, if you watch Ray Davies playing it, you see his hand looks like you hear this. Like you see the whole bar chord. Mm -hmm. Now, if you watch Dave Davies, which is the guitar you really hear, you see he's got just like the um, something like that. Like he's only got the the low notes. But we all know Jimmy Page played that. So what the hell are you talking about, Keith? Well, actually, see the thing is, there's a lot of conjecture because I say, when you say that, I say, here is a column I read. This is great. It was in the Guitar World. Elliot Easton used to write an awesome column about guitar hooks. And that, you know, Elliot Easton was a genius guitar player, went to Berkeley, knew all Great his technique. Yep. And all he wrote about was hooks, like, you know, catchy guitar parts. Yes. And he was writing about the kinks. And there was always a controversy that it was, Jimmy Page did definitely play on the session. Mm -hmm. And then Dave Davies always jealously defended, I played the guitar solo. I played the guitar solo. And it's a pretty badass guitar solo for a 16-year-old with, like, how thick the strings are. Mm -hmm. And Elliot Easton, in this column, he just writes, well, if I was Dave Davies, I would be more worried that people thought Jimmy Page was playing the rhythm because it's only the whole song mm -hmm. written in caps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the original sliding, you know, right. sliding power chord song. So, and again, if you get to that, if I'm playing that G with only these two notes, if I, yeah, so then if I end up doing this, it's still only those two notes, but they get G, D, G, D, G. Yeah. Get a nice shimmer to it. Yeah. So then a thing that I'll do after that is that what you practice is you practice changing to a D, and then all you care about is not moving your third finger. You don't care how long it takes to get to the D, but you just say, I will not let my third finger move. I'll lift my other fingers. I will make my third finger stay. I will not let it... And then you make your D. See, what I would say, start like this. Start by, take all the fingers off. Ex oh, did I, I just did it wrong. Take all the fingers off except for the third finger. Yeah, now make the D. Yeah. And that's, and then, 
leave the third finger in place and then go back to the G like that. Yeah. Make sure you're, yeah. Your third finger looks like it migrated to the G string. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, now what I would recommend is when you go to this, use your first finger for that note because you want it to still be like you want to keep your you want to keep it as much like that you're used to the D as possible. Let me tune up. Be my guest. This is the part on aerial view when we tune up. You're listening to an Aerial View podcast, guitar lesson number four, with me, Chris T, on the 1968 Les Paul and uh, Keith Hartel. You know with these snark, you don't have to keep the volume on. Are you aware of that? Uh, yeah, I, I like doing that, though, because it just annoys the shit out of everybody. It's the worst thing in the world. When I was in a band, that would always be the thing. Like, well, can you t- fucking turn down? See, well, that, my, well that, that's a whole other, like, the, we, because we didn't have... Even the boss pedal tuner, like there was no way of tuning silently invented yet right. in those times. Oh, and because and, I was not the guitar player in my earliest bands. Yeah. And it was like, I always felt like, you know, it's that, you know, that put upon in life was like, my band tunes up more than any other band in the world. Like right. that was always, and it was when I was in Pleased Youth, I felt that way. <laughs> then when I was in Adrenaline OD, it was just as bad. More, you know, bigger band, you know. Uh, right. Doing and, more, and but now tuning they have up equally as much. tuners that will just sense the vibration yeah. of your guitar and hopefully get the fucking note right. I never know if they, yeah, they, it seems to be pretty accurate. Oh, yeah. working. No, the, snarks is, the Snark is a great invention. Sounds like a D. Yes. Okay. Yes, it does. So you're. So that you want your second finger there. You want your second finger here. Yeah, for the G, you want your second finger. And then D. Yeah. See, that is where you want your second finger, yeah. I want my second finger here because it just makes it easier somehow. Well, well. And again, you're playing these two notes here. Uh, top two strings. The top two strings. Yeah, those two. And actually, um, do you know the do you know the band uh, the Skulls? Yes. Um, now, now, guy Charlie Pip from the Skulls is one of the brilliant local, you know, New Jersey guitar players who's, and he plays a G like this. Or, yeah, because what he does is his thumb will touch the. Actually, you know what? He doesn't even do that. He actually does this. Like he'll go, he'll just get that that those two notes with the top two fingers and blow off the bottom two strings. Or then also you can get that there. But this for most regular people is their way. But like that's kind of the, the art of like basically with the G, what you're thinking of is that the D, G, and these two strings are open. Yeah. Um, hmm. So now back to the uh, the queen thing. So what he does is after this, you go from the G to the D, and then the second finger on the third fret of the A string. 
Yeah, now what you want is you end up with these three notes. Yeah, right, because the D string will get muffled. And then you switch down to your first finger. Yeah. Yes, you got. So it's these three, and then you hear these three. Yeah, so now, yeah, third finger on that same spot, the B string. Yeah. Now what we do is move from there. Um, Oh, you're on the C now. Okay, good. So you got that? You can change from that to that. So again, your third finger to stay, so you go, yeah. Oh, that's how you go. Do that again? Sure. First finger. Where is it going? First finger? Second fret. Here's the thing. Try just just do this one time. Just play. Just play this. Yeah, now what you want here is just. So what you're doing on the first two chords is you just keep your third finger hanging out there, and then you just hit. Switch from your Yeah. Third fret to second fret. And yeah, so now you got. I can't control my fingers. That fingers. is the challenge of guitar. So it's. There you go. Yeah, and then from there to an A. Yeah, and basically what you hear there too, this is classic tension and release because if you listen to each chord individually, you know the G, big, big D, then when you hear here more tension, and then here, even more tension, and then it resolves. So, like, what you hear there, like, you see how all those little moves, you, you, like, there's not many notes, there's not a lot of hand contorting, but you hear a lot of... It moves through a lot of different textures in that yeah. little amount of time. It's interesting. Yes, it is. Is that tie your mother down? Or that, yeah, it goes after this. Um, Give me all your love tonight. The all your love tonight, he does that slow. All your love tonight. Is there a lead break in that now? I'm trying to remember. Sure. Of course there is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know I don't have the solo memorized too good. It's pretty fast. It's A minor pentatonic. Mm -hmm. Um but it's it's you know, it's all in that box. Um, although he might go to some, you know, kind of, yeah, it ends somewhere in a major pentatonic. It also has slide in it. Oh, and he does this kind of like this, like, uh, kind of like a, or it's like here. He's got some, for a Brian May solo, it's one of the ones that's more blues jammy. I mean, mm. you know, fitting, 
It's not the little miniature composition that you come accustomed to of like say Killer Queen or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. Wow. Well, um, so what, I'm so confused. You have no idea. Oh, why is it so hard? I, I mean, is it really just because I'm not practicing when you're not here? Or is that it? You could tell me. Well, tell me. Be honest. Well, you just, know, yeah, well, yeah. Um, it's, that's it. That's it's it. as basic as this. What it, what it is is this. It's very simple. It's very simple. Um, the problem of getting better yes. when you have already played for a long time is that it's a big one the the feeling of not like the feeling the uncomfortable feeling doing things that aren't comfortable yes it's it's just more um fucking repellent like the, the more that you've longer you've played guitar so what it, it takes is like like basically like there's an exercise one of the exercises i got from uh richard it's it's like say you have four fingers and four frets right mm -hmm. i forget the exact number but there's like a finite sequence of every you know if you have four fingers four frets it's something like 24 different combinations like it's not an infinite number of combinations now you could do an exercise where you know say i don't have it memorized but like you would start with one two three four one two three, and then you go two three four one two three four one two three four one and then it gets weirder and weirder but basically if you think about it you have your four fingers and on a basic level, because that, that is an exercise that um, I should like write it down and, and, and bring it to you next time. But you think about this, is that you, you know that you want all your four fingers to work. Mm -hmm. And then you know that you, you understand the idea of playing in position, that every finger would be lined up by its own fret. So that your basic kind of minimum function you want to be able to do is just be able to take any finger and push it down or lift it up in any order you want. So the thing is, like, there's something about, like, you know, like, like how we evolved from flippers? It's yes. something like you had flippers, then you have flipper thumb. Then you have after that, yeah, something like that, like, uh, like yeah. that, and like then... Like cloven hoof. Yeah, yeah, so it's like each finger less wants to work by itself, and the fingers don't want to separate. So basically, it's just um, pure, you know, neurons firing like signals just like getting fingers to lift up in any order you want so one of the things about that particular exercise like say if you tried it this would be a variation that would be a little trickier say if you try to go like one three two four right and then do it on the next string right Okay, now just, now try this. Now just play one, two, three, four on every string. Okay, so now you see how much easier it is to go one, two, three, four than two, four, one, three, or one, yeah. three, two, four? Yeah. So in, theoretically, I mean, there's, there's a definite reason because the fingers are not equal. So, like, basically training, like, you know, if you're learning piano or learning guitar, what you have is an instrument that's designed as if every finger was equal. But they're not. So, like, all of technique is really learning how to get, you know, like, if you're playing piano, piano is a great example just because it's set up even more 
congruently everything exactly the same is like your pinky is so much weaker than your index finger but you got to be able to get your pinky to play a note as surely and swiftly and cleanly as your first finger and it can but it's that's impossible i tell you well it's it's you always have to go back to uh how hard like how hard was it from not being able to do anything to be able to do something like, how hard was it to go from playing no chords to playing a bar chord? You know, like that kind of thing. It's pretty hard, I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to remember. I remember it being really hard, but it's... I Well, of course, since I teach, I see people... I see it, how hard it is. I'm always constantly reminded how hard it is. But that's basically the, the steps are, mm. um, as far as practicing, is that, yeah, basically all practicing that's worth a fuck is something that's getting you a little bit out of um out of your comfort zone like there has to be something that's a little bit unnatural that you're trying to make natural i'm way out of my comfort zone There's good no, no good. issue there whatsoever I'm, I'm feeling mighty uncomfortable good uh, good let me get this light over here for a minute so i can take a picture take a picture it'll last Take a picture. Okay. Take your headphones out. Oh, man. This reminds me of a t picture I took earlier today. Well, it doesn't remind me of it, except for the fact that it is a picture. I don't know if I got a picture. You got any light on me? Yes, I do. Looking good. out of the way anyway all right we have about five minutes left believe it or not i cool. don't know where the time went and i don't know what i've achieved do you often find and when you're teaching people that they leave more frustrated than they arrive that they you know feel like i i mean i'm i'm feeling like a in a weird way i've let my teacher down mm. well um no because um basically like one of the things that you learn to do as a teacher because for one thing um, is usually I would like say work doesn't like tie your mother down probably like I, I tend in a normal lesson where I don't know the person as well I would maybe have a tendency to ramp it back way more quickly mm. um, but usually like the trick is always to get someone to do something they couldn't do yet so if you get some, someone to do something they couldn't do yet um, then they leave they leave happy um, then the other thing that's just an honest part about um, teaching is that it's kind of people kind of come in and hang out and kind of play guitar a little bit like most people don't have very or real, most people don't have defined goals they'd like to know how to play a few songs and so with most people you can get them to play a few things and then you hit some walls and basically I've not seen anyone that didn't hit a wall, um, you know, except for, you know, maybe some really raw beginners, but, but, um, you know, people, I'm just proud of myself that I've hung in there. Yeah. Well, that's, that's it, man. Just keep, I want to keep, keep hanging in there. I mean, I want to work past the frustration and get to a place where I feel like, I mean, I can, I can't control my fingers. What do you suggest for when you're not here, by the way, do you, is there anything that you really tell your students to get involved with when they're not sitting in front of you? Mm -hmm. you well, know? it's simple because it's, the thing I've been, I, I 
probably said this in on our first lesson, but one of the luckiest things for me as far as being able to get good enough to teach and being able to be able to do certain things I can do that I wouldn't have been able to do is I was really lucky that my I had a guitar teacher that was an actual rock star that I listened to records of. Mm. So the thing is, is that when I was getting from uh, lessons from Richard, um, basically all he did was, at least in the, in the beginning and for a long way in, pure scales, just nothing but scales. Yeah. So now if you want to play rock and roll or write songs or be creative or whatever you want to do, you know, playing scales, you can start to think like, well, this isn't really, this isn't what I was thinking of. Now, the thing is, I was lucky enough that a fucking guy, wherein I had studied his records to try to figure out what he was doing, like, I had picked out his solos, note for note, slow, you know, stopping a cassette. Mm. So I was like, I want to know how to do ex this exact guy. <laughs> so I was lucky that I had one of the exact guys <laughs> that I wanted to play, like, showing it to me. So, but the thing is, is it was with the biggest thing in the world is practicing scales, um, which is now this, the thing I was showing you before, the finger exercise, that's the same thing. But the, the thing of a finger exercise like that, that's an unmusical exercise. Um, there's a lot of unmusical things, which just means finger control. So you have that, then you have scales, and then scales have a finger discipline, but they also start to train you to see patterns and feel patterns. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's sort of like, what, it, what it's like, it's like if, uh, you know, boxing, like which, uh, I'm not a boxer, but if you watch a movie of training, you know, they, 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 they hit the bag, right? Right, right. Or, or they, practice, they, practice, you know, they, they practice a certain punch, a jab, uppercut. You know, there's certain, like, they, they practice the fucking punch, the one punch over, and, oh, I want to get this punch right. So it's like, if you think of, I mean, basically, every, every um, guitar playing, this is something Richard always said, it's an athletic skill. So if you think about the way you learn any athletic skill, there's no athletic skill that you don't isolate the components and just practice them. Right. So practicing any form of scales... And basically, yeah, where you're going for um, control and just pure hand control. And then what that gets into is that if you're trying to, say, learn, tie your mother down, all right, you might or may not be able to play it. But the point is, with tie your mother down, you're not doing it until you're doing it. That's kind of the thing I was saying before. Mm -hmm. With scales, the second that you're practicing the scales, you're there. Like, that's because that's... Um, process instead of like result yeah so the thing is it's just basically it's you know it's it's like any good habit like a healthy habit like any exercise habit oh my gosh so yeah the basic thing, but this this is the the most basic um challenge and the thing i would most highly recommend <laughs> is if you take like anything just pick one thing have you uh ever or say say like like we just even did what you just did the one two three four Right. Now, say if, if when you, you just practice that for five minutes, but what you did was the whole time that you're practicing it, you would hold yourself to a standard of every finger is going to land exactly close to the fret where I want it, and I'm not going to play too fast to get everything how I want it. And all you're trying to do is go one, two, three, four. Perfect. Yes. Like, and then what that'll have to do with is that you have a little adjustments for the strings. You have adjustments to get your hand to stretch. Like, but what you do is if you just start doing the one, two, three, four and get that perfect, like the idea of really getting something like that perfect, that sets, it sets a standard for everything else you do. But the, so the thing is, is that what I most recommend is if you 
you know, there's the, the thing of practicing every day. It's, it's not only a cliche, it actually does work. Mm. But the trick of getting yourself to practice every day, this is the, the five-minute speech. I, I, I guess I never give you the five-minute speech. I don't think you've given me the five-minute speech, not yet. Okay, well, the five-minute speech is basically, now, since you can already play, like, you know, because for a lot of people, if you're just first learning, five minutes of really working on anything is solid. Oh, um, let's do this. Let's wrap up real fast. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll no, say sure. goodbye into that thing. And um, goodbye I, into I that prom- thing. I promise you next time in 2016, I will be in better shape. Resolution? I, 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 my resolution is Do I hear is a to, resolution? My, I will resolve to, to come down here more often and, and practice by myself I, and not just wank down here on the guitar. So that is my pledge. I don't know if it's a resolution, but it's a pledge to you. Thanks again to Keith oh. Hotel for joining me for my fourth uh Thank you. Lesson and probably my worst. But uh, where can folks reach you? Where should they go to find you? And you can find me on Facebook, Keith Hartel, which whatever they're looking at probably has my name on it. Mm. K-E-I-T-H-H-A-R-T-E-L. I work at Guitar Bar in Hoboken, New Jersey, 201-222-0915. I teach there. Mm. Or you can message me and we can Skype. Or just uh, run into Hoboken and start yelling his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a small town. All right, I'm going to turn this sucker off and we can get out of here. Thanks, Keith. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.